Father in heaven, thank you so much for leading us in this past week. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for being our provider and also our protector. And now, as we come to study your word, we ask that you would bless us once again with wisdom, with your Holy Spirit, to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And so, Father, please be with us now as we open your word. Open our hearts and our minds to give us that understanding and the the willingness to apply the truth that we are listening to today. Thank you, O Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of our message for this morning is, When Knowing Jesus is Not Enough. When Knowing Jesus is Not Enough. And we're going to go to our first text here, found in John 17 and verse 3. The Bible says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You see, friends, eternal life, according to John, is all about knowing God and Jesus Christ. That is what we will be spending throughout all eternity. And sure enough, maybe to some of us, that might sound kind of boring. What, I'm going to go to heaven and just get to know Jesus more and more and more and more? Well, doesn't that sound like a relationship to you? Absolutely, right? But you see, eternal life is about knowing who? The Father and the Son. But You see, the title of our message this morning is When Knowing Jesus, or When Knowing God, really, is not enough. Let's go to another Bible text found in John 5.39. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You see, friends, to know Jesus is to have eternal life. To know Jesus, we got to know Him through the Scriptures, and that is important. We got to understand who He, he is. We're gonna, we got to understand the God that we serve and, and be in this relationship with Him. To know Jesus is to know the Father is to have eternal life. Is eternal life really that simple? Yes, it is. It really is. Eternal life is all about who you know. Knowledge of the Father and of the Son. Let's go to one more text. John 14 now. It seems like we're going through all these passages in John because if there was anybody that knew who Jesus was, it was John the Revelator, John the Disciple. John 14, 6 and 7, the Bible says this, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then it says in verse 7, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, eternal life. And so Jesus said, If you had known me, you had, would have known my Father, and you would have seen Him as well. To know Jesus, to know the Father, that is, my friends, eternal life. But you see, friends, it's possible to say that we think we know Jesus, right? It's possible to say, I know God, 
it's possible to go to church and go, of course I'm a Christian. I go to church. I know the Father. And, you know, we have name droppers out there. What, what do you call a name dropper? Is It's someone that they say, I know this person, but they've never met them before. They don't really know them, but they use their name to gain entrances into clubs and bars and places that no one else can get into unless you know this famous person. But to have Jesus as a name dropper is not enough. You see, there is this importance of knowing who God is. But there is comes a point in time when knowing Jesus only is not enough. What do I mean by that? Well, before we get to that, I want to share with you one last text about knowing God, knowing Jesus. When the Bible says about knowing the Father and knowing the Son, what is this knowing all about? Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 4 and reading verse 1. Genesis 4 verse 1, the Bible says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. You see here, friends, Adam knew Eve. They had a knowledge of each other. But this wasn't just a high and a by, shaking of the hand. No, friends, it was an intimate knowledge. To the extent that what? L look at it again. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and what happened? She conceived. It wasn't just a head knowledge. It wasn't just a surface-level friendship. They had a deep, intimate knowledge of each other. And as a result, they had a son together. They had many children together. And so this knowledge that we're talking about here, even when it's talking about the knowledge of the Father and the Son, eternal life is all about knowing Jesus Christ and the Father, right? That is not just, oh yes, I know Him. Of course, we know Jesus. He came and died on the cross 2,000 years ago. But that sort of knowledge is not enough. We have to have a deep, intimate knowledge of God. To the extent of what though? What, what are we talking about here? What are we referring to? You see, when knowing Jesus is not enough, Ben, what are you talking about? What is this all about? Because you're telling me that, and I see the Bible text, eternal life is all about knowing God, right? But there is a time when knowing Jesus is not enough. What do we mean by this? Let's come to our key passage that we're looking at today. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. And we recently studied this in the, 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 the Foolish and the Wise Virgins, but this is that parable found in Matthew 25. And we're going to read through the whole thing, starting in verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamp, lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, 
lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said what? And this is the very important verse. What did the bridegroom say, the Lord say? Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. This is the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. Five are wise, five are foolish. They all slept, they all had oil, but the five wise had extra oil. The foolish didn't take enough oil. They had oil in their lamps, but it went out while they were waiting for the bridegroom to come as all weddings usually experience a delay. But they didn't have electricity back then. They had to keep their lights burning because they didn't know when the bridegroom was coming. But while they slept, the lights went out, the oil burnt out in the lamps. And the bridegroom came, the ones that didn't have the extra oil had to go look or buy extra oil. When they came back, it was too late. The Lord of the, the wedding and the one that managed it, the bridegroom and everybody, they said, I don't know you. Who are you? I do not know you. You see, friends, the question is not so much, do you know Jesus? The question is, does Jesus know you? And that is the big difference. That is the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning. Knowing Jesus is not enough. To drop His name, to call upon His name, there were seven sons of Sceva that tried to cast out evil spirits in the book of Acts, calling on the name of Jesus. And that demon says, I know Paul, I know Jesus, but who are you? Do you see that? Just because we know Jesus, just because we find it easy to call upon His name, does it mean we know Him to that intimate level? Probably not. The question is, this knowledge is a two-way street. Does Jesus know you back? Friends, as you sit there this morning listening to this sermon, you might be familiar with many of the Bible stories. You might be familiar growing up in the Christian home all your life with the Bible and where the books of the Bible are. That I know that there's 66 books in the Bible. I know where to find every single one of them. When the preacher preaches, I can turn to it without using my phone and a shortcut. Does Jesus know you? What is oil? Because you see, the, the, the bridegroom, when he came in, five were missing. They had to go buy the extra oil and it was too late. What does that oil represent? Let's go through this very quickly. We studied this before. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, See, What seest thou? And said, I have looked. And behold, a golden a, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. 
So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, we see in vision here, Zechariah, he, he sees in vision here, um, he's wakened out of sleep and he's in vision and he sees what? A candlestick, all of gold, and of course it has the oil in it. And the way that it gets its oil is from these two olive trees that are attached to it olive oil. So it's not by might nor by power, but by my what? Spirit. So the oil represents the Holy Spirit according to Scripture. God knows those that are His who are filled with His Spirit. But let's keep going. Zechariah chapter 4 verses 12 through 14. And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. These two are what? They are the two anointed ones. Do you see that? That stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Well, friends, what are these anointed ones? What are the anointed ones? Well, let's go to another text. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see, friends, it's one thing to call upon the name of Jesus. It's one thing to say, I know Jesus. It's one thing to having gone to church all your life and saying, yes, I know Christ. But friends, does Jesus know you? Are you filled with His Spirit? You know, I imagine one day when, when Jesus comes back for a second time, He's looking for people that look just like him. He's looking down from heaven and he's like, oh, that looks like my son. He's looking for those that are filled with his spirit. Are you filled with the spirit of God today? And friends, how do we get the Holy Spirit? It's very simple. Luke eleven thirteen. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. So what, what's the method? How can we receive the Holy Spirit? We got to pray. We got to ask. That's what it is. It's one thing to go to church and say we know Christ, but are we praying for God's Spirit throughout the week? Are we praying to be like Jesus every day? Are we praying that He would fill us so full of His Spirit that there'll be no room for self in our hearts and in our lives? Friends, God's people that Jesus knows are praying people. It's not enough just to go to church, friends. It's not enough. We might think we have a deep, intimate knowledge of Jesus because why? We watch a sermon every week. Oh, Pastor Ben, I watch your sermon faithfully every week. But friends, that does not save you. Eternal life is knowing Jesus and Him knowing us back. 
Does Jesus know you today? You see, friends, that is the question that only we ourselves can answer. But you know, there's something else here. Remember, in Matthew 25, the virgins that ran out of oil, they had to go and buy it. They couldn't go and harvest it. So obviously, the wise virgins had spent extra money to buy the extra oil and store it up in a pouch, right? To be used for emergency purposes. And so they went and bought that extra oil. And what do we have to buy in the Bible? What do we have to purchase? Let's go look at another Bible text. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Friends, what do we have to buy? We have to buy the truth and not sell it. What does it mean? Friends, it's not that we can earn the truth. It's not that. But it takes effort. It takes diligent effort. It takes some ex extra exertion that we can obtain the truth, that we can be like Christ, that Jesus would give us His Spirit. And even when it comes to prayer, it takes an earnest effort. It's not just simply a prayer for food. It's not just a simple casual prayer. No, friends, it takes earnestness if we are to buy something, right? It takes effort. And what does the truth have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, we'll see this in a minute. But you see, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 32, it says, We are His witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that what? obey Him. So, you know, when we read the Bible, when we study the Bible, even when you listen to a sermon that is preached straight from the Word of God, it's not enough just to know it and hear it. That's surface-level knowledge, right? We've got to obey it. We've got to live it. And that's where our earnest prayers for the Holy Spirit come in because when I look at myself, I've never done it before. I've never been able to do. Or maybe I've been struggling with a sin for the past 10 years and I know it's wrong and, and it's just difficult. It's impossible in my own strength. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit to, to help us to apply these things. This is the importance of that earnest prayer. This, my dear friends, is where we begin to wrestle, where we learn to struggle, where we learn to put in us that, that earnest effort because it's so difficult. And knowing the truth is not enough. But are you applying it? Are you living it by God's Spirit, by His grace, by His earnest effort in your life? But what exertion we have to put? We've got to go and buy it. The fact that we can change, the fact that we can overcome is only by the grace and the Spirit of God. And so friends, God knows those who are filled with His Spirit and who are obeying His truth. Do you see that? Knowing Jesus is one way. But does Jesus know you? Let's go to another passage. Matthew 7, 21 and 23. And this, this is clear. This is clear. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. You see, that, that's a Christian, right? Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? 
there's the preacher. And in thy name cast out devils, there's the healer and the miracle worker. In thy name done many wonderful works, there's a pianist, the one that leads out in singing, the that leads out in prayer. But then in verse 23, what does Jesus say? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Can you believe it? The preacher, the miracle worker, these people knew Jesus. They were in church. They were going to church every week. They were participating in church service. They were trying to be blessing to everybody. But yet at the end of it, Jesus says what? I never knew you. What is the difference? Did you see it? Back in verse 21, it's not enough just to say, Lord, Lord, of course I know you, Jesus. It's not enough to say that. But are you doing the will of the Father? The will of God. What is the will of God, friends? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Friends, what is the will of God? The will of God is for us to be sanctified. And how? How are we to be sanctified? John 17, 17. Pardon me, John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And we've seen this already by the truth, right? We are sanctified. We are set apart. We are made different. We are made Christ-like by the word of God, but not the word of God only. Let's look at another text. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through what? Sanctification of what? Not the truth. Of what? Of the Spirit. Unto obedience. Unto what? You see, friends, sanctification leads to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's justification. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Friends, it's one thing to say you're sanctified. It's one thing to say you know Jesus. But are you living a life like Christ? Are you living a sanctified life? How can we live a sanctified life in obedience to the truth? We need to be sanctified by the Spirit of God. Friends, it's not enough just to say you are sanctified. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20, the Bible says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You will know them by their fruits. And let me say it differently. All we need to do, friends, all we need to do is look in the mirror and look at our fruit, the fruit of the Christian. Let's start with the basic, most fundamental of all of them. It's the Ten Commandments, friends. A sanctified life is an obedient life to the Ten Commandments, not because we can do it, not because we're someone heroic, not because we're trying to earn our way to heaven, not because any of these things, but because God's Spirit is abiding in us. And He's giving us the victory. He's giving us the strength. He is the one that is working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. He is the one that helps us to obey. God gives us His Spirit, Acts 5.32, that we can obey, that we can apply. Does Jesus know you today, friends? We might know His name. We might know the Greek and the Hebrew. Elohim, Yahweh. We might know all the names of God and all of that. Fancy things. 
but are you living the life of Christ? Does God know you? Does Jesus know you? He knows them that are filled with His Spirit. Well, how else can we know we're filled with the Spirit apart from obedient life? Galatians 5, 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Friends, this is character. This is character. All we need to do is look at our life. Are we becoming more loving? Are we becoming more patient? Are we becoming more gentle? Are we becoming more meek? Are we becoming more temperate? Are the characters of Christ, the characteristics, pardon me, of Christ being manifested in our life? We can know if we would just take some time to look and investigate our lives. We can know if Christ will know us one day when He comes in the clouds of glory. We can know because all we need to do is look at the fruit. Are you spending enough time in the Bible? Are you spending enough time in prayer? Well, if your life is changing, praise God, you are. But if you're telling me that you're spending time in the Bible and you're spending time in prayer, but God is not giving you victory, then you've got to spend more time in the Bible. Then you've got to spend more time in prayer. This is why we open uh, little Bible schools like Salt School, um, just so that people can take a break. Get away from distraction. Spend two weeks studying the Bible, just one module, whether that be Daniel, Revelation, or Sanctuary, or whatever it is. But are you spending the time that's needed in prayer and in the Bible to allow your heart and mind to change? Are you allowing God to change you thoroughly inside and out? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to abide in you? Are you asking and praying for the Holy Spirit? This is so important, friends. Why? Because it's not about whether you know Jesus only. The whole world knows Jesus. Even the atheists can claim, I know who Jesus is. I've heard it. You don't need to preach for me. You don't need to tell me all of this. Maybe that atheist even grew up in a Christian home. Maybe they know about the Bible. But friends, does Jesus know you this day? Is He living in you through the presence of His Holy Spirit in your heart and your life today? Are you allowing God to transform you? And friends, if this is not clear enough, let me give you another text. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, and you can connect this easily to the seal of God, the Sabbath, but it says this, The Lord knoweth them that are His. The Lord knows them that are His. Well, who are those that are His? Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? Depart from what? Iniquity. Let all those that name the name of Christ stop sinning. That's modern translation. Are you with me? Friends, God knows those that are experiencing victory in their lives. He knows those that are living the life of Christ through and through every moment of every day. There's no secret sins behind closed doors. Friends, God sees all of that. It's not just about coming to church and playing church for a couple of hours. 
But friends, it is living the life of Christ. 24 hours, 7 days a week, 52 weeks in a year, 365 days in a year. We don't switch it off because we are allowing Jesus to transform us inside and out. And He is giving us victory, victory over every sin that so besets us. I believe that my Savior's blood and His sacrifice and the power that He says, go ye therefore to preach, that same power is enough to give me victory over every sin because I know that the power that God has is more powerful than anything Satan has to cause us to sin. How? How can we have this victory today? Yes, we've got to start by praying, asking God for a spirit, spending time in His Word. But then in Galatians 3.27, the Bible says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Some of us, we need to be born again. Born again of water and of the Spirit. Yes, we've got to be born of the Holy Spirit. We've got to pray for it. But there are some that are just too afraid to commit to Jesus, too afraid to commit to baptism. They don't want to get baptized because they think, in my heart of hearts, I know what I do. I'm not perfect. But Jesus is not waiting for you to be perfect, for you to commit to Him. He's waiting for you to be just committed, to be willing to surrender. You've got to be baptized. Some of you are holding off that decision too long. You've got to give your life to Christ today. Don't wait to be perfect. Just ask yourself, do you want to be in this relationship with Jesus or not? And if you do, let Him be the one that will clean you up. Don't have to clean yourself up before you go to Jesus, friends. Get baptized today. Don't wait. Don't hold back. But then, there's also Romans chapter 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. We got to put on Christ. We got to put Him on, not just as a garment to take off every single time, but yes, it gives that illusion. We got to put on the garment of light. We must have His character. We must have His life in us, shining through us. It's so needed. And it's so important. But one more. Familiar text, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. And as a result, even though I live, it's not I, but Christ living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Friends, you know what this text is all about? It's those first Five words. I am crucified with Christ. You know what that is all about, friends? It is all about total surrender. God, you know better than I. When I read the scriptures, I don't want to argue. I see it. Let me investigate to see if it's true or not. But once it's true, you're right. Let me not fight with you, Christ. Let me not fight with your words. Let me, not let me stop fighting with a pastor that's preaching the truth. Let me just go back and search the Scriptures to see if these things are so. And if they are so, let me be crucified with Christ. Let me surrender. Jesus, come in. Help me. I see, Lord, that i got to stop lying. I see, Lord, that i got to stop committing these sins, whether it's the sin of pornography or looking at all these 
bad things and going and drinking alcohol and getting drunk and beating my wife. All these things. There are many things that I know that I got to stop. And Jesus, even though I've been doing this for the past 5, 10, 20, 30 years of my life, you know better than I. And even though I've tried to stop before, it's because I've not been spending time. And I've not allowed you to fully come into my life, to fully surrender, to give my life fully in submission to you. And some of us, friends, we are going to struggle and struggle with sin until we get baptized into Christ, born of water and of the Spirit. We're going to keep struggling with these things until we learn to fully surrender, to be crucified with Christ. Romans 6 says to crucify that old man of sin because he that is dead is free from sin. We got to allow our own desires, our own motives, our own opinions, our own whatever it is, whether it's our careers that get in the way, these decisions that we want so much in our lives, it gets in the way of righteousness so often. And today, friends, some of us, we got to put aside those own opinions. We hold on to them too dearly like it is truth. But friends, it's just simply an opinion. We've got to come back to the Word of God. And we've got to look at it simply as, Jesus, you know better than I do. You know better than me. Help me to stop fighting. Help me to stop pushing my own ideas, my own agendas, whatever it is. Help me to stop doing that and come back to you and just surrender to the truth. Help me to admit that I cannot do it. You know, some of us as human beings, we have too much confidence in ourselves. We, we think that we can just let go of sin any moment. I've met people to say, and they say, look, if I want to stop smoking, I'll stop smoking, but now's not the time. I know that if I want to stop, I can stop. We don't, without realizing that many of us, we are addicted to sin. Sin is an addiction. That's what it says in Romans 7. What I know is right, I don't do, but what I know is wrong, I keep doing it. That's sin. That's an addiction. And friends, we've got to admit that. We've got to come back to Christ today. We've got to be willing to surrender. We got to be willing to be crucifying all our affections, all our thoughts, all the things that we think make us wiser than everyone else around us, and then we come to God and we think we're wiser than Him, we got to be willing to put all that aside today. It's not about just whether you know Jesus. It's not just the picture that Christ has in your mind. The picture of Christ in your mind. Who is Jesus to use? It's not just simply that. But do you really know Him as the Scripture says? Have you allowed His truth and His Spirit to transform you into His image? Or do we get our image of a Christian from someone else and somewhere else? Or we think that, oh, I'm not that type of Christian. But are you the type of Christian that Jesus knows? That's the question that I have for you this morning. This is what I want you to think about. It's not so much whether you can name the name of Christ or whether you really believe that the name of Jesus has power, but has the truth and His Spirit 
changed you so radically and so much that you are just like Jesus today. That when Jesus comes, he says, I know this son, this daughter of mine. Why? Because I see right there, that looks just like my son, Jesus. When the father comes and he sees and he looks down, can he see that we are living the life of Christ? You see, it's a two-way street, friends. John 10, 14, the Bible says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and have known and am known of mine. It's a two-way street. It's not just simply enough to say we know Christ. But does Jesus really know you and me today? Why not surrender, friends? Some of you have been holding off baptism too long. You're afraid of what? Now you've got more responsibilities in church? Well, it becomes a joy to serve our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It becomes a joy to serve when Christ is truly abiding in your hearts, as, as what we studied even last night about the lost sheep and the lost coin. It becomes a joy to serve, to do His will. Why? Because we love Him. We love Him. And that love has transformed you and me. Friends, I pray that when Jesus comes again for the second time, we will hear those words, Come, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. I know you. Come. Friends, are you willing to surrender today? There are some that are not baptized out there, and I don't know, I don't know who I'm preaching to. But friends, maybe you've been holding off a baptism for too long. You need to go down to your local church, Seventh-day Adventist church, that is. Tell the pastor there or the elder, whoever in charge, and say, I want to get baptized. What do I need to do? Friends, if that is your desire, please, let's pray together. Let's surrender our hearts and our lives again to Christ. For those that are baptized, let's recommit again and ask Jesus to be with us. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, please be with my brothers and sisters today. Be with myself, Lord. We all have struggles in life. The pull of the flesh, the enticements of this world. Lord, please help us to turn away from the world and see Jesus again in his word. Teach us what it means to pray for your spirit once more. Fill us, Lord, that we might be like Christ. Baptize us again. And then, Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters who are not baptized, who have not surrendered their life fully to you. If they are considering, committing, help them, Lord, to make that decision today. Help them to see that there's no better time than today to make that decision. Father, please guide them, lead them, give them the courage to step forward, to reach out in faith. And I pray, Father, that when you come again in the clouds of glory, that none of us would be missing on that glorious day because you know every single one of us. Bless us to that end, O Lord. Continue to guide us, lead us with your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.